of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This past week, in addition to having a little family vacation, we planted some grasses in our backyard. You know those kind of bush grasses that you see around a lot? And as we were looking to plant them, the label said, put in full sun with well-draining soil. And I thought, we're in Oregon. <laughs> but nonetheless, there are ways that you can accommodate these plants by planting them raised so they don't get too uh, rotten in the winter with all the rain. But it got me thinking about other plants in more extreme climates. I lived in Las Vegas for four years, and I remember driving out in the desert, there's something you would always see. For you who haven't been to the desert, you might say sagebrush, and yes, that's also true. But what you always see is a creosote bush. If you don't know what a creosote bush is, look it up. It's a pretty amazing plant. Uh, the creosote bush, it only breathes, you know how plants breathe uh, carbon dioxide so they give us oxygen. It only breathes in the morning, and the rest of the day it closes up so it can keep its moisture inside. Its roots go very deep into the ground. There are lots of things that it does so that it can live in these harsh climates, even like in Death Valley, when there's nothing else around, you can find a creosote bush. And then I thought, imagine planting a creosote bush here in Oregon. <laughs> what would happen? It'd wither and die. This amazing plant that is so perfectly suited for the desert. Now, if you don't know a creosote bush, then you could say it the other way around. Imagine taking a fern from the, the coast and planting it in the middle of the Mojave Desert would happen. It would wither and die. This is why our Lord has given us the parable today. You see, in the parable, we learn about, what does he say at the very beginning? The kingdom of heaven. We learn about the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is like this situation that he describes, in which there's a master, He's settling accounts with his servant, and one of his servants owes him 10,000 talents. And if you don't know, this is like hundreds of millions of dollars in today's terms. A talent alone is more than a year's worth of salaries for, for your average person. So huge amount of debt. And then that servant goes and tries to fight over another servant that owes him 100 denarii, which is like three days of pay. It's not much money at all. And then puts him into prison. And we see the extremeness of the, the forgiveness that happens on the one side and the lack of forgiveness for this tiny amount of money. Even when that first servant was saying to his master, oh, give me time and I'll repay you. Do you think that he could repay 10,000 talents? Of course not. He couldn't. So already he was in delusion to think that he could even repay that. So how does this relate to plants? You see, in the household of the master, it's the wrong environment for that servant. It's the wrong place for that servant. And so the master naturally says, get out of here. You can't be in this house because it's not the right climate for you. This is a climate, an environment of forgiveness. And you are incapable of forgiving. The parable could have continued with the master going to that second servant in jail and saying, you're freed. 
come on out, come back to the house. Because that's the nature of the master. That's the nature of the household, the environment that is there. To be in that environment, one must be transformed. What is the environment of the kingdom of heaven? It's an environment of forgiveness. Of forgiveness of everyone, for everything, always. That's the environment of the kingdom of God. And so our Lord, wanting all of us to be in the kingdom of God, desiring that we can all thrive in that environment, he invites us by telling us this parable. Teaching us, the punchline is, you must forgive, because so much more has been forgiven of you. You must forgive. And this is what we say once again in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. As I've reworded it before, only forgive me as much as I forgive others. Don't forgive me more than that. That's what we're saying every time we say the Lord's Prayer. Just forgive me as much as I forgive others. Why? Because we're not fit for that environment of the eternal kingdom, of being in the presence of the all-merciful and all-forgiving God. We'll wither and die. And that, some might say, would be the experience of hell, is still being in the presence of God, but an eternal withering and dying, because we're not fit for that kingdom, because we haven't learned forgiveness. So our Lord has given us this parable to give us an opportunity once again to forgive so that we can be prepared to be in that environment of heaven, to forgive everyone of everything always. Now this is a very, very difficult task for us, no doubt. But our Lord gives us the strength. He is the one that, as the church calls him, amnisikakos. It's a beautiful Greek word. Amnisikakos. You hear amnesia and you hear kakos, which sounds bad, right? Kakos means bad. He's the one that forgets all evils. Amnisikakos. He forgets all evils. He forgives everything, all the time, everywhere, everything. He forgives. Do we forgive? Do we join him and unite ourselves to him? If you read those prayers in preparation for communion, it says one part right at the beginning, before you even say the prayers, first, before approaching the chalice, be reconciled with your brothers. Be reconciled. Forgive. Heal the division that exists. It is so important for us to get forgive, but it is also the most difficult task. Now we can say, okay, it's easy to forgive some people sometimes. Maybe, you know, the, the smaller things, if you will, someone saying a harsh word to us or someone being unkind in some way. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. We all have experiences in our life that are very difficult to forgive. People that even the thought of their name brings about anger, frustration, resentment, whatever it may be inside of us. It is not easy to forgive. It is not easy. And we can't delude ourselves by saying, oh, I've forgiven that person. Grr, it's still inside of me. But oh, I've forgiven that person. That means I'm going to have an appearance of forgiveness. I'm not going to talk badly about them, but still that kernel is inside of me. 
that anger is inside of me. I think of the situations I've endured with that person and immediately flames rise up inside of me. Forgiveness is not complete yet. And for some of us, those deep, deep wounds are things that we have endured and borne for years, years even of abuse. These are not easy things to forgive. Our Lord isn't saying that we have to forgive everyone all the time, always. He's saying that's the goal. There's a big difference. That's where we're aiming. How much we're able to forgive, God only knows. But we're always aiming in that direction. And what that means is every time we feel the little fire inside of us, of the anger, of the resentments that we have towards a person or a whole group of people or maybe a whole nation, every time that we have that inside of us, we say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, help me to forgive them. And sometimes that pain is so heavy, it's like a cross. Lord, help me. I have this heavy burden of lack of forgiveness, of hardness of heart. Please, Lord, help me to forgive. If this becomes our prayer day in and day out, then we're moving in that direction. We don't know how far down that path will go, but we know we're moving towards God, and that's the journey of our life. There's a beautiful quote I just read from St. John of Kronstadt. He says, The life of the heart is love, and its death is anger and enmity. The Lord also holds us on earth in order that love fully penetrates our heart. This is the purpose of our existence. The purpose of our existence is that love may penetrate our heart so that our heart is alive and not dead. And this comes through the forgiving of those painful, painful things in our lives. An important tool for forgiveness is the awareness of our sins. Because as we become more aware of our own sins, we become more prone to forgive others of their sins. That perspective of who am I? This person is doing this to me, but look at me. Look at my sin. So forgiveness and repentance have a direct relationship between each other. The more that there is repentance, the more that there is forgiveness. Today we commemorate St. Moses the Ethiopian, Moses the Black. And if you read on the front of your bulletin, it, it shared one of the stories from his life about how he was asked to come and give judgment upon a brother. They needed him to say, okay, this, this brother committed this sin, what will be his penance? And so he refused, refused. Finally, they dragged him along. He put a sack on his back and he had a hole in the sack so that sand was following behind him all the way that he went. He filled it with sand. And they asked him, what does this mean? He says, my sins are falling out beside me, behind me. I'm unaware of them, and you're asking me to come and judge. You see, what he was actually revealing in his humility was he's so aware of his sins, he said, who am I to judge? I'm constantly sinning. So the more that we repent, the more that we have an awareness of our sins, the more that we can forgive others. And this is what our Lord said in the Gospel of Matthew as well, about the plank and the speck. Our life, when we don't have an awareness of our own sins, we have a greater awareness of others' sins. So they're the ones with the big plank, and we have just a little speck in our eye. 
But the more that we come to know ourselves, the more that we see our own sins, the more that we see I have a plank. And that person, it's, it's so far away, it's like a speck compared to all of the sin in my life. I think Paisios talks about this as well. That it almost like the speck disappears in the other person. We are always looking for excuses for the other person's bad behavior or their sinfulness. Forgiveness is not easy work. But our Lord is saying, do you want to be ready for this environment, this climate of the eternal life in the kingdom of God? Because that means being in the presence of God. That means being one with God. And God himself is the one who will forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. So may we, like our Lord, become amnisikatos. Ones who forget wrong. Ones who let wrongs go by, make excuses for them, whatever it may be. And if we have a struggle with that, we pray. Because we're always pointed in the direction of forgiveness, which means they're always pointed in the direction of God. As a last little image, in the city of Bethlehem, one of the few churches that wasn't destroyed by, uh, that was built by Emperor Justinian and wasn't destroyed by the Persians when they came through and destroyed almost everything was the Church of the Nativity. In the Church of the Nativity, the only way to get inside the church is a door that is four feet high and two feet wide. And it's called the Door of Humility. You can imagine why. And there are practical reasons about it was built like that so people wouldn't ride their horses into the church or bring their carts into the church, which might be a shocking thing for you to think about. But suffice it to say, imagine that's our entrance into the kingdom of God. We humble ourselves, we bring ourselves low through forgiveness, through repentance, and that makes us worthy by God's grace to enter into his eternal kingdom. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we all have debts, we all have debtors, may we forgive. Amen.